0: I really think if you go into a business just trying to make more money, you're not going to stick with it because it's not about the product. It's about the outcome. So you need to find something that you really enjoy doing that
1: there is a need for. The money will come. Hello and welcome to the Brand Nurture podcast, the show that's all about expanding what's possible and building a brand and a life you can't wait to wake up to. I'm your host, Emily Cecile, brand designer and marketing strategist here to encourage you to build a brand that allows you to share your passion while enabling you to live your life outside of it through marketing branding mindset and more each week i'll be pulling back the curtain to provide sustainable strategies inspiring insights and transformative tales to help you grow your brand claim your dream life and realize that you are not alone grab a cup of coffee and join me as we explore what it takes to build a brand and a life you love this the brand nurture podcast In the busy world we live in, I think we all find ourselves juggling multiple roles on the daily, from being a mom or a dad to a business owner to an employee, whatever your situation is, we all struggle with finding that perfect balance. But in today's episode, we'll be chatting with the amazing Elise, who's not only an incredible science teacher, but a dedicated mother and a scaling business owner. She's all about making a difference in science education and nurturing the youth of today in the education journey. But our conversation today goes way beyond just her day job to the challenges that come with doing it all, what the day-to-day really looks like, and her advice for others wanting to follow in similar footsteps. It's a conversation I feel so privileged to have facilitated, and I know that you will feel inspired and encouraged. Let's dive into this conversation. Elise, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So excited to be here. So tell me a little bit about your journey.
0: Yeah, I'm very uh, passionate about science education. It really started in college for me. I did not have a great experience in high school with science education. And um, there's no- nothing bad to say about the school I was in. The school I was in was wonderful. I just didn't really latch on to the whole science education thing. I hated it. And then I went to college and I was taking some intro science courses and just fell in love with it again. I started tutoring and TAing other college students and was like, hey, I think I could be a teacher and I could do this for a career. And ultimately, that's what I did. I taught for five years. And then I kind of, pivoted to a very short period as doing some cancer research. So that time, I think, is what really made me open my eyes to how science is taught, specifically in the United States, because that's where I am based, and how we can better cultivate the next generation of scientists instead of turning them off from the process of science, which I feel is what happens to me when I was a student. So I left that uh, cancer research job I was doing, and I am now teaching again at my local school district where my own children go. So I feel like I'm having a much bigger impact on what I am doing locally and making an impact for my own children.
1: That's amazing. I completely agree with science education. I think that my own experience was fairly similar in that I don't know the differences, obviously, between the UK and the US in terms of science education, but I really loved physics. And then in biology, I was just never connected with any of the material and I was like, are you in that? So yeah, it was hit or miss for me, definitely. So in terms of specifically science education, what makes you so passionate about that specific area? I think as I even reflecting on my own personal life as a child, I
0: love science. Like I loved being outside. I loved getting my hands dirty. I loved collecting like little specimens and, you know, like insects and exploring my own backyard and seeing what was there. And then at some point it just, you know, a switch was flipped. I, I can't a hundred percent blame the education system for that, but you know, other things started to matter more in my life. And I was just not into learning science in school anymore. I just wanted to be getting my hands dirty. I wanted to do hands-on things. I teach biology mainly right now and that's something I constantly struggle with is just the number of vocabulary terms that I need to teach my students and it's so boring and it's not interesting and it's not science learning vocab and their definitions and labeling diagrams. So, I think that's a big shift that's been happening in the past decade in the United States is taking all of the contents and kind of putting it on a a side burner, not a back burner, but like a side burner and prioritizing students actually doing science and discovering these concepts themselves. And that's like a really difficult intersection, I think, as, as science teachers, because we want to cultivate our students with their natural curiosity about the world around them And I see it in my own children. My daughter's only six, but she is very curious. She loves being outside. She's a rock collector. You know, it's just I want my high school students to have that same fascination and interest in what I'm teaching them. And if I get that interest and encourage them to explore the questions they care about, they'll be more likely to engage in what I want them to learn. And I think it would encourage more students to actually pursue science careers. Because like I said, I was completely turned off by science in high school. It was very hard for me. But in college, it was way different, a way different experience. You do more labs in college. You do more exploratory things and research and I, I want that for my high school students because I there's a lot of brilliant students that I see every single day over my years as a teacher. And there's STEM fields everywhere. That's really how our society is built today. So we need those students to pursue these STEM fields so that we can have strong industry, so we can have a strong economy and better serve, you know, our entire population. So I don't want to turn students off from doing that. Not that the other fields aren't important, but you know, STEM is, especially for women, that's another one of my passions is getting more women representation in the STEM fields. Statistically, I don't have this source. If I did, I would share it with you, but I know there is data to suggest that girls in, in schools, they are turned off from math, science, technology much earlier than boys are in their education journey. So kind of supporting them through the journey. Of pursuing their interest in STEM and giving them a safe space to explore that.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. I think that one of the things you just said that I think is really important is being able to nurture where children are automatically interested and using that as the fuel for the learning. Because I think that you said a lot of times we're taught in a very specific way, whether that's vocab led or vocab led, or you know just a very specific focus, but focusing on. The natural curiosity that we have as, you know, we have it as kids. I I see it in my own son, like he's just naturally curious to learn. I think nurturing that is such an important side of education that, you know, is lost more than it should be. So, in terms of not just being a full-time teacher, but you're also a mother and you run a side hustle, could you tell me a little bit more about your business?
0: Yeah, I can. As I said uh,
1: earlier, I
0: was a teacher and then I shifted to a different career before coming back to teaching. It was that shift when I moved into cancer research. I did not really want to leave the classroom. It was really for my own mental health and well-being that I had to make that choice. But I very much wanted to continue supporting teachers in the field of science education. So I started my own business called Keystone Science. And Shared the resources that I had created for my classroom. I did a lot of stuff from scratch, and I felt like they were high quality. My students loved them. and so I wanted to share them with other science teachers. And I just kind of started as a hobby, like, okay, this is my connection still to the classroom. and it it helped me while I was in my other non-teaching job. And then when I decided to go back into teaching, during 2020 and the pandemic. A lot of people laugh at me when I say that's when I decided I needed to go back <laughs> to class, probably the worst time, but it was a great decision. And since then, I really revved up my, my business because I am back in the classroom and there has been a shift over the past 10 years to teach science in a new way. So I'm trying to get as many resources that are effective, that students are interested in available to teachers and to also help teachers cultivate that simultaneous teaching of content and nurturing their students' curiosity and making the content relevant to them. So it started as a little hobby that I spent hardly any time on. And then in the past two years or so, I have really kind of ramped it up. And I'm on social media. I've got an email list going with teacher tips. And it's it's something that I really love doing. I was surprised at how much I loved doing this, but I also loved being in the classroom. So it's a very delicate balance right now.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's amazing. I think when businesses start from hobbies, there's just that level of passion that just like unparalleled, but being a full-time teacher and, you know, with the business and then with your two kids as well, I mean, that's a lot. I have one kid myself. He's only two, and it's all you know. It's already a lot. So <laughs> I can imagine that life is busy. I would love to know what a typical and I say typical in air quotes because there's no real typical. But what a typical week looks like for you, you know, doing all these things because it's something I'm really passionate about. Is finding out what motherhood and life looks like for other mothers. It's it can feel a bit isolating, and you feel like you're the only person going through it, but. It's nice to have that connection to what other people's lives look like. So I'd love to know what a typical week looks like for you. Yeah.
0: A typical week is, is pretty hectic. I want to first shout out to my husband because he, without him and our equal parenting, we do truly parent 50 50. I could not do this. So it's, it's really him that is even like boosting me up and giving me what I need in order to pursue this business. But. Our typical week, I'll talk about like when school is in session, because that's that's the most hectic time, right? I actually have to be out of the house by like 7.15 in the morning. So I get up, I get ready and get myself going. I might help with the kids a little bit if they're like struggling with getting dressed. But like 7.15 is my hard leave time. I feel terrible about it, but there have been days where my kids are crying for me. They want me to hold them a little bit longer. And I was like, I have to go. Like, I I wish teaching was a little more like an office job where you got a little flexibility right at the beginning of the day. Like, come in 10 minutes late, traffic was bad, whatever. I'm contracted to be there at a certain time. And if I don't, I can be reprimanded for it. So that's the hard part. And my husband drops them off at daycare. It's on his way to work. My daughter's sick, so she's also, she just finished kindergarten. And she'll be going into first grade this year. Usually when my husband's out of the house, he drops her off almost right as the school day is starting for her. So that's no big deal. And after the school day is over, I usually linger in my classroom a little bit to make sure I'm ready for the next day. Like That's one of my big things since I am still in the classroom full time. I try not to leave school until I know everything is where it needs to be so I can walk in the next morning and be ready to go. That's a shift I made when I came back to teaching. I was very adamant about not doing anything related to my full-time teaching job outside of the school day. So I've pretty much held to that the three years I've been there, which has opened me up a little bit after school time and before dinner because my daughter goes to an after program when her school day is over. And my son doesn't need to be picked up till six. So I've got like three to six o'clock in the afternoon where I can do what I need to do. Sometimes it's my business during the school year. Sometimes it's I need a mental break. So I get a little bit of that mental break. And then once the kids get home, like five thirty, six o'clock, I usually pick up my daughter. We have dinner together as a family. And then it's like right into the bedtime routine. They're usually in bed by eight and then after eight o'clock, again, it's like depending on my day. Some t- some days I need like a mental health break and I'll watch TV with my husband. Other days I'm up in my office until like 10 30 at night working on my business. So it's, it really depends this year. I spent a lot more time on the weekends, which I wasn't, I didn't like, I want to move away from that. I did do a lot of work on the weekends, but this year, that's my goal coming into the school year in August that I'll try to pull back on the time I'm working on the weekends, but sometimes you can't avoid it, especially when you're trying to build a business and scale it. But it's like I said, I I could not do this without my husband's help. We really are a great team. We tag team things. If it's been a stressful day for one of us, usually the other person is not as stressed out so they can, you know, pick up the slack. So it's, it is very, it's a very delicate balance we have. And we do not have good days all the time. Don't get me wrong. It's, it is a struggle. It is difficult. And our kids really dictate how well a day goes. I'm sure, you know, with a two-year-old.
1: <laughs> yeah, completely. You can have a vision for what you think the week's going to be. And then that vision can change pretty quickly. And you just kind of got to roll with the punches. <laughs> I like what you said about the working on the weekends. I mean, I myself have had that where, you know, like you said, when you're trying to build a business, when you're trying to scale, as much as it's important to have those boundaries in place, sometimes it happens. And, the, you know, everything's a season. There's no point in beating ourselves up about it. We know that there's reasons why we're working on the weekend. It's not because we want to be is because there's things that we need to get done. And it's just that season of life. I love what you said about the boundaries of school and like leaving the school at the school. I think that that's something that is also a really hard thing to keep in place. So I mean, props to you for holding that for the last three years. I think you said, yeah, I think having those boundaries can be really helpful, especially having, you know, young children just having some sort of framework there'll be flexibility in it but having some sort of framework where you can kind of disconnect is important it was, it was a
0: huge shift and that was because with my previous teaching job i had to leave because i had burnt myself out and i didn't have kids in my first teaching job either so like my job was my life and that was also like a problem that's not how jobs work i know that now that i'm older and wiser but you know my young 20 something self fresh out of college that was not something That I knew could even happen. So when it did happen, I was like, okay, I really want to do this again. But I really, now that I have two young children, I can't be at the school until, you know, six o'clock at night when my day ended at three. And I have to be home and present with them because they're very young. They still have a lot of needs. They want to be with me, you know. And then, you know, once they hit the age where they're teenagers, they want nothing to do with their parents. Like, I want to be with them when they still want to be with me. Yeah. Uh, So I took all like apps off of my phone. I don't have an app for my school email on my phone. We also use a a learning management system that has an app. It makes it very easy for us teachers to like grade stuff and enter grades. But I'm like, if I have it on my phone and I'm at home, I will use it. So I'm not having that on my phone. I also try to leave my school laptop at school. So again, if I don't have my school laptop, which has all of my documents and files on it, I'm not going to do anything. So you just like remove that temptation from yourself. And I recruited a couple of my colleagues this year too. I was very adamant when I started. I was like, why do you have email on your phone? You don't need to be constantly connected. Like if it is truly an emergency, they will call your, your room. They will call your cell phone. They will find you if you, they really need to tell you something. And I did get one of my colleagues to remove the email off her phone this year. So that was a huge win.
1: <laughs> I like it. You're spreading it. <laughs>
0: Well, like well being and you know, boundaries and yeah, yeah,
1: Yeah, definitely. I know the feeling about the removing of temptation. I find that with social media because obviously my job involves a lot of social media. I'd be like on my phone and I'd be like, Oh no, I'm working. My partner's saying, I'm working. And I'm like, Okay, maybe I'm not actually working as much as I thought I was. (laughs) And I'm Uh, like,
0: You're just like scrolling mindlessly. That's what I do. And and then, yeah.
1: (laughs) yeah I'm like oh it's it's all work and then he's like called me out the other day being like I'm not sure it is (laughs) so yeah it's easy to do but the boundaries is really helpful like I have removed a couple of different apps from my phone as well just for the same reason having those boundaries makes it a little bit harder I got onto an app that was called like one minute or something I don't know if you've heard of it and basically like brings up a thing on your phone when you click on an app and it says take a breath and then it's like you like take a breath and it like t- gives you a second to realize whether you actually want to go on the app or not. And then most of the time, it's just an automatic reaction that that you just open your phone and then you go on Instagram and you just don't even realize that you spent the time. So having that was like really a good shift for me, taking that breath and being like, oh, okay, I actually don't need to go on Instagram right now. I don't need to look at anything. I'm going to put my phone back down.
0: Because <laughs> I have found myself multiple times, I have I pick up my phone because I need to look at my calendar or set a timer, like very important things to keep my life going. But like you said, it's habit. I open my phone and I'm on Instagram or I'm on Facebook. And then I've been there for 10 minutes and I was like, wait, I didn't get on my phone to do this. What am I doing? So I really like that idea. I might look that app up because that sounds very helpful.
1: Yeah, it definitely was. I think the shift for me was that I was with my friend and we looked at the screen time and I didn't realize how in depth the screen time thing was recently and it tells you like how many times you opened your phone how many t- what apps you went on as soon as you opened your phone and I mean it was shocking to say the least and I was like okay I'm going <laughs> to going to address this what kind of phone do you have an apple or android Apple yeah I I have an Android.
0: I have the Pixel, Google Pixel phone. It's kind of like the same thing with like a digital well-being and attracting everything that you do on your phone. And that's another thing that I do during the school day specifically. Like I don't have my cell phone with, it's in a drawer on my desk in my classroom, but I have a smartwatch. So if like something comes through, I can see it, but it's like out of sight, out of mind for me during the school day. But just to encourage my focus when I'm at school, I have like, there's something on my phone. I can't remember what it's called off the top of my head, but I can like snooze apps during certain times of the day. So I don't get notifications. I can't even open them. And it just helps me focus um, a lot more. And, you know, I try to share this with my students who they all have smartphones. And I was like, you know, if you're having trouble focusing, you could use this feature in your phone and snooze these apps so you can't even open them. And they're just like, "Ah, they're teenagers. (laughs) It's possible. Like if you really want to take control of your cell phone addiction, which I know you all have, this is how you can do it. And that is another thing as far as boundaries, like trying to just be hyper focused when I'm in school so that I can leave at a reasonable hour. And I'm not trying to put my lesson plans together the night before after my children go to bed. Because there were a lot of teachers I've worked with that I know that's what they did as well. And I'm just like, this is not sustainable for me. I need, I need to leave work at work.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so important. So in terms of being all these things at once, you know, mother, business owner, full-time working, what would you say is maybe the hardest part for you? The hardest part
0: for me is probably, oh my gosh, definitely like organizing all the things. I have like forgotten like spirit days for my daughter's school. I have like misplaced papers, even for my own business. I fall into this trap of, oh, I don't need to write this down. I don't need to put this on my calendar. I will remember to do this thing. So I've been working on that this summer because I've got my I've got my summer break from school. So now I can kind of like refocus on my business and try to figure out how I can best manage all these things, um, especially with scaling that I've been trying to do in the past year or so. So I like to use, oh my gosh, I discovered Airtable a few months ago, like I think back in January. So maybe it's been six months already, but like, it's a great like database. It's basically a amped up Google sheet or Excel file. And it just helps me organize everything I started using an AI calendar scheduler so I can just put a task in it and it'll like throw it on my calendar where their time is fits. I can put a due date so that it makes sure I get it done before the due date. So it just like takes a little bit of that mental load off of me. But yeah, that's that's my main struggle. I just, my brain is constantly going between, okay, during the school year, Everything's ready for school. I don't need to stop at the grocery store to pick up a couple extra supplies. Oh, does my daughter have this thing for spirit day? Did I get those like little gifts from my son's daycare teachers? Or like, oh, we've got all these doctor's appointments coming up. Like, let's coordinate rides. And am I taking them? Is my husband taking them? So it's a lot. We also started, my husband and I, a shared calendar on Google. So anytime there's something that we are doing that's going to affect our availability for the other person or our availability to be with the kids, it goes on the family calendar. So my husband is also like in a startup business, is the best way to put it, and they're also scaling. So you know he's going to a lot of business functions. So when he knows he has to go to a business function, he throws it on the family calendar. So I know whatever night it's on me to take care of the kids make dinner for them and get them to bed. So I think it's it's a lot of communication, especially between your partner and you, especially when both partners are so focused on their businesses and trying to get
1: them scaled. Yeah. Shared calendar is something that me and my partner are just like in the process to uh, implement because yeah, things are just getting busier and busier. And uh, like you said, communication is a hundred percent key in that scenario. So I would love to know as someone who is, you know, scaling a business and being a mother and all the things, like I said, I mean, what encouragement would you give to other mothers who are maybe wanting to start a side hustle or business on the side of what they're already doing? I think you
0: said earlier about people having hobbies because it's something they're interested in and then making that into a business. I really think if you go into a business just trying to make more money, you're not going to stick with it because it's not about the product it's about the outcome so you need to find something that you really enjoy doing that there is a need for the money will come so like i i would highly recommend like not starting a side hustle or business just for the extra income because it's not going to work i really truly feel if you have this thing that you love to do and there is people that want that thing from you you will find the market and you will find success. I would also say, like, seek out a support system. My support system is my husband, a hundred percent, because he, you know, once I started the business, it, I, like I said, it was just a hobby. I just kind of posted things as I felt like it, but as it started to grow, and as I, you know, I said to him, eighteen months ago, we were ha- out for my birthday dinner, and I said to him, "Look, this is my vision. I really want this to become a thing, and I really." I really feel passionately about this and I know this is important. And for my birthday, he registered my business for me. He bought me a domain for a a new website. So, like, you got to find your support system, and the people in that support system should obviously support your ambition. They should also be someone that will give you like real feedback and not just sugarcoat it. It would be helpful if some people in, in your support group have knowledge of small businesses. So like I said, my husband's also like part of a small business that they're scaling. And uh, his, his advice, his insight, he's the financial person for that business. So like I've got someone I can talk to you about finances. So just having, you know, you, that close group that's going to support you, give you true constructive feedback. And also like help you talk through things. So some sort of support system is, is key.
1: Yeah, I completely agree with what you said in terms of if you're starting out with the wrong motivation, it's not going to work. I think starting a business just for the money is a very quick fire way to not get very far because people can tell that that's your motivation when that is your entire motivation and having a really strong why in your business is something that I talk through my with my clients a lot. A why is not only something that people can connect to within your business anyway, but something for you to connect to when you have a hard day, which there are hard days. <laughs> there are very hard days, especially when you're you know ha- when you have kids and you're trying to run a business as well. so Having a really important, strong why and like, okay, this is the reason that I'm doing this. Yeah. Helps in so many different ways. So my final question for you, which is a question that I like to ask everyone, which is what is lighting you up most in this season of life and business?
0: Well, I'm currently on my summer break, so that is lighting me up a lot that I don't have to worry about both my business and my classroom and my... (laughs) time. But I also am just really motivated by the growth that I've been seeing. It's just very encouraging that I'm, I'm still enjoying what I'm doing for my business and I'm seeing the returns. And that's just really itself a motivator. So I'm just I'm very excited for what has been happening and that all of my hard work over the past 18 months or two years or so is like is actually starting to pay off. And I'm seeing that. And I just truly love summer generally because obviously I'm off school, but also it's just a really great time for us as a family. We get to go, we get to spend time together. We were just on a vacation last week in Disney world and the kids absolutely loved it. So it was, it's just great family time. I love being with them. Like I said before, my kids love being outside. They're very interested in nature and just Nurturing their curiosity and seeing them grow and answering their questions or helping them find the answers to their questions because I don't have the answer to everything, which shocks them sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's just a really great. I love summer right now.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm with you there. Summer is very exciting, especially in the UK when we have like a glimpse of sun. It's it <laughs> must be nurtured at all costs. So
0: <laughs> into the UK, but my husband has, and yeah, he he was like, he went to a a football match and. He was like, we experienced like all four seasons during my game. It was sunny and hot, and then it
1: got really windy and cold, and then it was raining, and then it was hailing, and it was just very strange. Yep, that sounds like the typical UK weather. Amazing. Well, thank you so, so much for coming on today. Where can people connect with you forever? Yeah, I am on Instagram. You can
0: look up my handle is Keystone Science. I think there's an underscore between Keystone and Science. I also have a website, KeystoneSciencePA.com. I'm starting on a blog. So I'm going to be posting some like science teacher relevant blog posts, some just regular teacher blog posts to support teachers in their classroom. And I do have an email list. If you want to join my email list, you can access it on Instagram. I've got some a way to join on my website as well.
1: Amazing. Well, I'll make sure all of the links are in the show notes so people can go and have a look. And thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me. I had a lot of fun. Thank you so much for joining me today and for listening to this podcast episode all the way to the end. I truly appreciate you being here. If you enjoyed this episode, I would love to encourage you to leave a review as this helps us grow and reach more like-minded individuals. Plus, if you have feedback, episode ideas or questions, or just like to connect further, please find me on Instagram at the Thill Creative Studio. Shoot me a DM and let me know you're listening. Until next time, friend, I'm cheering you on.